Hey, welcome to another episode of the Hockey News Archive show with me, Matt LeBove, and my friend up north, Mr. Adam Proto. Adam, what's going on up there? Oh, Talk to just me. Enjoying, enjoying the, the fall weather, Matt, and uh, uh, thanking, thanking the hockey gods that there is no snow just yet. But, you know, there's kids out there that desperately want it that are in there. You know, they've got their backyard rinks or their local outdoor rinks just waiting to get out there. So, you got the hose. Uh, Are they spraying the hose? Waiting. That's for it right. To that's over? right. Yep, they do their own ice uh, ice making uh, stuff. So, you know, yes. happy for those kids. Whenever probably December rolls around, but right now I'm happy that we don't have uh, a lot of the white stuff to shovel and be miserable about. Right. Well, good stuff. A uh, mm -hmm. lot to catch. We have a lot on the show today. We have uh, Scott Hartnell former player, uh, now the color analyst, studio analyst, I might add, uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers, and also yeah. from the Hockey News, Mike Trakos. Uh, so before we get to that, I just wanted to kind of catch up on a few things, news and notes going on. Um, Columbus Blue Jackets, three words, what mm -hmm. a mess. What are your <laughs> thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I agree. It's it's a tough time to watch, uh, watch hockey in Columbus, and this is a a town and a franchise that's gotten used to losing, unfortunately. And, and, you know, Scott will talk a little bit about that in his, in his interview. But I think for me, you know, it comes down to, you know, the, the GM at this stage, you can't fire another coach. You know, it wasn't clearly about Mike Babcock, although that was not a great move. Most people would say, and, and, you know, the way that they've started is just very disheartening despite, you know, the, the changes that they've made to the roster, um, sitting out players now, benching players during games, um, and what is it, seventeen or eighteen games? We haven't even got to the you know third one third pole of the season. So I think it's going to be tough sledding for them. They probably can't climb out of this hole and make the playoffs at this stage, and that's going to be a lot of games that are just hard to sit through. You know, mid February games probably against Anaheim or you know some of those teams are not going to be well attended, um, and it's hard to blame Blue Jackets fans that only way they can really speak now is through their, you know, through their absence or through their, their disgust with, with the process. So I'm going to be curious to see who in management pays the price. If anybody in the short term, you know, John Davidson is a, a, a hockey guy that has a great, you know, eye for optics and, and what certain moves mean to teams and what they mean to the community. And, and I have a feeling that he's going to be faced with some stark, uh, stark decisions coming up. Yeah. Big disappointment. And speaking of disappointments, I want to ask you, uh, uh, I know we're still kind of relatively early in the season, but who are the the three, whether it's a team or a player, who are your three disappointments thus far? It's a good question. I think, you know, in, in the Eastern Conference and the Atlantic Division, probably Ottawa and Buffalo would be two of them. You know, I, I thought that they would be more competitive than they are. They've they've struggled. The goaltending hasn't been there in Buffalo with, you know, Devin Levi. It just He's a young guy still finding his way. Um, but the rest of the team, you know, they, they don't have uh, Tage Thompson. Uh, now he's he's out and injured, so they're they're tough. The Senators, you know, already cost Pierre Dorian his job uh, with the way they started the year. Uh, and obviously the, the Edmonton Oilers will probably be the next one that really stands out. I didn't I, – I was actually one of the few people that didn't have the Oilers as a cup favorite. I just didn't really believe in their defense uh, and their goaltending, and that's kind of come to be true. Um, but they've still got time to turn it around. They can still be a team that, you know, wins seven or eight out of 10 games and, and slowly gets their way back into the race. But, you know, the Oilers fans, again, the team, not so much like Columbus, but the Oilers, like the New York Islanders almost, they have that, 
pedigree, you know, shall we say, and and uh, to go from that that type of winning environment to to c- consistent losing, you can see why why they're touchy. I always say Edmonton's probably one of the the touchier fan bases in the league when you write something nasty about them or something. That's a good word negative. for it. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know that's okay. That's what fans are supposed to do, but. Uh, for me, you know, they they are where they are, and Calgary's probably another team. Maybe, maybe my fourth team. You know, people I think thought more they'd get more out of that lineup than they're getting right now. So, a couple teams out west, a couple teams in the east. Uh, those would be my choices for sure. I guess my only one is that Connor Bernard does not have fifty goals yet. I mean, the guy's only he's eighteen <laughs> years old. Yeah, first pick overall. You know, only only putting up yeah point per only, game. I mean, what the hell? Flop, flop, I mean, my God, they, they were billing him up as the thing, and he's, God, he's not leading the league in scoring. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, like I, yeah, go ahead. Like, no, like I said, we have a very, very busy show, so we're just going to get to it right now. Uh, our first guest coming up, Scott Hartnell. All right, we are back on the Hockey News Archive show with our first guest today. Uh, you know him as... Uh, Longtime member of the uh, Nashville Predators, Philadelphia Flyers, had a sh- uh, stint in Columbus Blue Jackets. Mr. Scott Hartnell, now the color studio analyst for the Philadelphia Flyers, NBC Sports Philadelphia. Scott, it's a pleasure to have you join us. What's going on? Uh, I'm doing very well. Uh, good start here for the Flyers. Just enjoying life, uh, be it, being a dad. Uh, uh, became a dad a week after my last game in, in 20. 18 so it's uh when i retired didn't really have much time to think about anything just became a dad and and just just kind of loving life so it's uh all good always sunny here in philadelphia i just live outside of philly so it's it's a uh, uh, good setup we got here nice well i got a nice uh you know it's always hot here for thanksgiving in los angeles and so i'm happy about that adam uh, adam where town do you live in uh in ontario don't in give Guelph. me the address because we don't need to like get you stalked, but <laughs> unless you unless you want to. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm in Guelph, just outside of Toronto. Nice, I'm sure yeah. that. Uh, well, Scott, snow on the uh, ground yet? Sorry, is there snow on the ground yet? No, no, we're lucky. Have, haven't had it in Ontario yet. We're almost in December, so that's pretty good. No doubt. Well, uh, Scott, a lot to cover. Um, You've been in the hockey news many, many times. We'll go through that a little bit. Uh, but one of the one quote that popped out to me that I want to um, that want to see if this rings a bell. Uh, it was said to uh, writer Mike Brophy, um, Scott is the type of young man who you hope your daughter brings home. Does that ring a bell? <laughs> what are you What are you trying to get me all sappy here? A <laughs> little bit, a little bit. Uh, I'll, I'll take that. That's probably one of the nicest thing anyone's uh, ever said to me. I, you know, uh, growing up, uh, you know, we had a great, a great family, great parents. Uh, they're both in the educational field. So education was important and, you know, never forget the golden rule, right? Uh, treat, uh, treat others how you want to be treated. That was one thing that, uh, you know, always stuck with me as a kid and, and you never know who you're going to meet on the street or, you know, in life, business, hockey, uh, the hockey world is especially a small world. So you always wanted to be, you know, personable and, and uh, yeah, if, if you, uh, you know, were treated nice or you're treating somebody nice, it's going to come back to you, you know, tenfold, I believe. So that was uh, one, one quote that we always live by. And, uh, you know, you know, my wife now, I, you know, obviously treat her well to hopefully get treated Better. well in return. So, uh, that's a, that's a, a golden rule of marriage too. I, I kind of live by as well. 
Well, Scott, before we get into your career, deeply into your career, this is the Hockey News Archive show, and we're, you know, we've opened up the back issues for 76 years of the magazine. So um, you were on the January 26, 2009 cover. You're looking kind of like The Undertaker with uh, uh, with your hair flying back as you fought Ian LaPerriere, who, you know, you'd go on to be teammates with and yep. co-actors with. What does it mean to a hockey player when when you do see your your picture on the front of the hockey news? Yeah, that was uh, that was a big deal. I, I think someone uh, was killed accidentally in Canada, I believe, uh, in a hockey fight, and and uh, you know it was is uh, fighting in hockey uh, should be allowed or should it you know continue? And uh, th there's always a time and place for it, and and you know as we know know in the last few weeks or month that accidents do happen uh, you know over in England that was uh, just a terrible tragedy and you know kind of what's going on with that with the Johnson family so uh, you always uh, you know kind of think about that but uh, yeah it was it was um, I remember that shift uh, like it was yesterday uh, Le Perrier <laughs> was coming uh, off the ice uh, kind of by our bench and he did something stupid or he tried to hit somebody and fell down and I said oh I'm like nice hit you donkey Hee-haw, hee-haw, <laughs> you know and, <laughs> And I didn't really think much of it, right? And, you know, Lappy uh, plays pretty hard, uh, plays the game hard as well, and came out the next shift, and uh, he just jumped the boards, I think, because he might have double-shifted because I was out, you know, maybe a, a shift or two later, and a slash on the back of my leg, and he's like, let's go, donkey, you don't call me donkey, <laughs> you know, and, and his French accent, and I was like, whatever, I almost scored, and then I realized he was going to follow me around the rest of the shift if, uh, if we didn't fight, and uh, that was uh, the, the infamous picture of if you will, of my hair flying back and, you know, both of us are cock ready to go. So that was uh, uh, another funny moment, right? You're, you're, you're intense, you're into the game and, you know, you're kind of entertaining as well at the same time when, when you're on the ice. So that's uh, uh, what I tried to do, have fun with the fans and, you know, fun with other teammates and, and just kind of that, that was my personality as a teammate was kind of, you know, living on that edge and being funny and, and uh, you know, uh, playing, playing the game hard. Was that the one and only time you and uh, LaPerriere fought? I think so, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, he was traded to us or he signed actually the next year. Uh, and what a warrior that guy was. You know, the next year we, we uh, were in the playoffs, well, 2010, right? And and he blocked a shot with his face in New Jersey and, and you know, got back and came back and stitched up like the guy, the guy, you know, just a true Philly guy, right? You, you picture the guys back in the – in the 70s, 80s, uh, 90s, that, that wore the Philadelphia Flyers uniform was just just absolute warriors, and and we were like, oh my god, this guy's coming back. I saw his mouth during the first intermission. During the second intermission, he was still getting, you know, sewn up and his teeth put back together, and he came <laughs> out with a full cage on and standing ovation from the crowd, and we were like, holy man, this guy's this guy's crazy. So, it's, so you got to have respect for guys uh, that play the game that way. And he's the head coach at uh, Lehigh Valley, right? Yes, he was uh, then after his probably first or two year retire, it was, was kind of he went right into coaching and was assistant coach for our team. And, you know, it's kind of not weird, but you're your teammates with a guy, you're going for dinner with them. And then now he's running the PK and and on the on the other side of, of the, you know, obviously on the same team, but, you know, in the coaches meetings and stuff. So that was that was kind of uh, a little bit different, but uh, just a good guy that wanted to wanted to win a good teammate and. And uh, he, yeah, that's about it. I wanted to get back yeah. to the to the. Yeah, oh, sorry, Adam. The okay. uh, you know you mentioned that your parents are teachers. Um, what did they think when they saw that hockey news cover? Like it's obviously they must 
growing up, especially in Canada with fighting, it's kind of expected, but were there any reactions from, uh, from your folks when that came out? Uh, no, you know, my daddy, he never really played. I don't think, uh, growing up, but he know, he knows it's uh, part of the game, part of my game as well. Uh, you know, changes, uh, you know, momentum sometimes in games where, where you need a spark or, uh, you know, a big hit in a fight, uh, you know, or even just personally, you're in a little bit of a slump, uh, you know, it's nice to get in an altercation and, and, you know, kind of get the juices flowing, the blood flowing in your own body to kind of, you know, change the way the last few games had gone or whatever. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, my mom would always, you know, growing up, you know, stay out of the rough stuff, stay out of the corners. They could always hear her, especially growing up in the, in the small ranks of Alberta and Saskatchewan. It was, uh, you, you know, your mom's voice, right. When you're kind of right. mixing it up and then, uh, you hear, you hear that plain as Daisy <laughs> and me, I was always the opposite. They tell me to do something. I'd, you know, do the opposite and get even more rough, <laughs> rough going. So, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it, you know, they, but my mom too, she, you know, knew as part of the game and and uh you know kind of even though she said she she you know closed her eyes she's one of those ones that you know would would open it up <laughs> and, and look at look at all everything that's going on <laughs> well scott you i mean let's talk a little bit more about your journey then as you said you're a prairies kid um you know you grew up playing in prince albert got your junior career um you get drafted by the predators you know obviously a, a new non-traditional hockey market um what was the biggest uh uh, approach that you had to take or what was the biggest change for you in, in going to that market? Uh, you know, it's, it's so different. I think the kids, kids approach nowadays compared to, you know, when I was drafted, it wasn't, uh, you know, it, it was an expensive sport, but not like it, like it is today. Right. With the technology of sticks, you know, we used, uh, you know, $20 sticks from Canadian tire and, you know, we weren't, you know, well off uh, family, right. Where we could afford all the, the nice stuff i had hand me down skates until i was probably 13 or 14 right i had two, two older brothers uh that i'd get all their equipment so it was a big deal when i got my first pair of, of bauer skates and uh, i was like oh these are mine and then you know uh halfway through the year that <laughs> i outgrew them or or whatever and, and had to spend another you know 100 bucks on a pair of skates now they're over a thousand i believe but crazy crazy uh, uh yeah it was it was you know you played for you know just to play the game, right? It wasn't that I was going to make the NHL when I was 17 and, you know, you read the, the hockey news and, and uh, the papers, oh, I'm rated, uh, you know, top to dra uh, draft prospect in, in the WHL. It wasn't like I was seeing dollar signs and, and all that stuff. It was just I wanted to, you know, play the next game and, you know, get to the next practice and, and uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, when the draft day did come, it, that was kind of the first – first time I realized I was like wow this is kind of legit <laughs> I you know have a good chance of making it and and you know I just put my head down got in the gym and worked out and you know and kids nowadays skate you know almost 12 months out of the year where I was you know instead of being on the ice I was working out to get stronger on the gym uh in the track things like that where I knew I had to get to a, a certain level to to play with you know grown men uh instead of uh you know 16 17 18 year old kids right so uh, just put in the work and then I, you know, I must've impressed, uh, you know, David Poyle coaching staff when, when I went to my first training camp and made it, made the team out of there. So it was, it wasn't, you know, the, the fame and the glory and, and all that. It was just, I wanted to make the team and I tried to do everything. I was hitting veterans. I was, uh, you know, mixing it up, uh, you know, just kind of playing Scott Hartnell ho hockey. And I think that uh, impressed them where, you know, I wasn't going to take, uh, you know, any crap from anyone. I was going to, you know, be my own person and, and uh you know kind of just do do what i do so it was it was not out of any 
sort of, you know, fame or money. It was just, I, I wanted to make the team and, and play hockey for just for the love of it. Do you remember your first, yep. oh, go ahead. Yeah, go Do you ahead. remember your first fight? Cause like to me, and I played hockey since I was a kid, obviously nowhere. I, I went, I played division three in Boston, which wasn't bad, but you know, we had the, we had the, the face masks and everything. So you couldn't throw down, but you know, who was that first fight? And was there that moment of, Oh my God, this is really happening. Like I don't know if it was preseason or regular season, but there that moment of holy crap, this is this is happening. Yeah, it was it was I think it was Marshment uh, from San Jose, and it was it was in Nashville, and he was just cross checking the crap out of me in front of the net. I was like, man, like you know, I turned around, <laughs> slashed him, and next thing I know, gloves were off, and we're <laughs> we're throwing throwing punches. I I didn't I wasn't one of those guys that liked long fights, you know, where I could sit there and you know, just go toe to toe. So I would try and throw, you know, three or four as hard as possible. And, you know, if I missed, I'd, you know, have a Hartnell down and, <laughs> and be on the ice. Right. And it was, uh, I think that as long as you showed up and showed that you were, you were a gamer and wanted to fight and, and uh, you know, protect yourself and protect your teammates. I think that was more important than, you know, having a minute fight and, and, you know, taking six or seven bombs off the temple. <laughs> right. Right. Okay, well, when you when you move on from Nashville to Philly, you know the the market clearly is is different, and you know everybody talks about Philly as maybe one of the toughest markets to uh, to play in. But you know they've had a lot of success with other sports recently, right? With the Phillies, um, the Eagles, you know they're turning into a pretty great sports winning town. But um, what was your adaptation like moving from Nashville then to the Flyers? It was it was shock number one, right? It was uh, one of my favorite stories to tell. It was it was my first exhibition game in Philadelphia, you know, and and exhibition. You're trying to get your timing down. You're trying to get your wind, and and you know, especially in the exhibition games, you want to just uh, you know basically not get hurt, but not you know kind of run around and you know try and knock people off the puck, and you know you knock people off the puck, but not knock people out, I guess, and. Uh, after the first period, it was it was like, you know, man, it's, this is fast, you know. And this fan uh, right above the tunnel where where you walk, walk into the dressing room, and he go, he shouts down, "Come on, Hartnell, hit somebody, let's go!" And I was like, <laughs> I look back, and there's Mike Canuble behind me, and and I was like, is that is that guy serious? He goes, he goes, get used to it, man. You're in Philly. He's like, you got to get going. I was like, holy <laughs> smoke! So next period, just absolutely buried two guys. Uh, didn't score, nothing like that. And he goes, out of babe, Hartnell, out of baby. You know, the next time I came off, so I was like, oh man, I, you know, and and that was good for me for like right away to hear that, right? Because it was I couldn't let a period slip in Philadelphia. They they keep you accountable. They want you to work. They want you to play that that certain way. So that was that was pretty important uh, in that in that uh, respect. So yeah, you got to have love for the Flyers. They, the Flyers fans, they they love you when you're great. When you're not going, they're gonna let let you know as well to get your acting gear. And to play the right way. Okay, I guess the other thing I like talking to uh, retired players about is the state of today's game and how it's changed. I mean, to me, when I talk to guys, you know, they always talk about the speed. And you know, for a while there, we were talking about like making nets slightly bigger, increasing scoring in a bunch of different ways. But it just seems like you know the back and forth with one timers for guys, you know, down low, goalies don't really even have a chance with the speed of the game is the, is the speed really what separates uh the game now from maybe when you first started playing yeah the the, the speed for sure the the skill of the individual skill of each player right it's it's kind of 
I don't know if it's gone too far where, where the skill and the pucks, the, the stuff they can do with the puck and stick handling and beating guys one-on-one. And, you know, I think it's, that's almost, almost at a tipping point where it's not like a, a team game where I can use my teammates give and goes, uh, you know, in that sort of respect where I'm just going to beat this, this guy and take the puck to the net myself and, and score a goal. It's uh, you, you see guys doing a little bit too much individual stuff for me, but uh, as for, you know, watching the game and calling the games and talking about the games, the, the, the speed, uh, just the, the creativity too of these guys when, when they're making plays, it's like, Oh man, I never thought to do that. Uh, you know, how they're scoring uh, in different ways, the, the shot that goes just below the glove and right over the pad. It was, you know, for us, it was just top, top cheese. Like that, that's where you wanted to <laughs> score. And if you missed it, there's like, Oh, that was kind of a lucky, lucky goal. That was a, a weak goal by the goaltender, right? There was never a question of uh, uh, it's not his fault, right? So th- there's different ways to score, and and but yeah, the the, the way these guys can move the puck, uh, you know, the one timers, uh, the the technology of the sticks, and you know, even the blades of the skates, and you know how you kind of smooth, uh, you're kind of riding on top of the ice, so you're a little bit faster than it was, uh, you know, the hollows of the skates uh, sharpening uh, is a little bit different. So uh, all all those things combined, it, it's just uh, an incredible game, and everyone's trying to get that edge and. Uh, you know the workouts and load management that these these kids have, and you know the the chips in the puck. Now you know how fast everyone's going and how shot how hard your shot is. So it, it's it's an incredible uh, league right now that we got going on. Uh, there's 32 really good hockey teams. You know a couple of them uh, are bad usually every year, but it doesn't take long before teams can kind of rebound and, and rebuild. Um. There seem to be a lot of former players, a lot of former flyers who stay in town, like and stay in the in the New Jersey, Philadelphia area. Are you like what's the community like of of guys? I mean, do you play pickup hockey at all? Like what's what's your hockey life now consist of? Uh, actually, just uh, after after this little podcast, I'm taking my son. He's he's five and a half uh, to learn to play skate here uh, in Voorhees, New Jersey. So they got a good little program there. It's, nice. uh, you know, that's kind of the extent of me putting on my skates. Uh, I have a lot, a lot of PTSD of just how, how many years I played and how much time I, <laughs> I put mm-hmm. on the skate where I, I wouldn't want to play in a, in a league, uh, uh, you know, a beer league, if you will call it. And, you know, kind of get a workout that way. I've, I've heard so many stories of guys that, you know, have all had all their teeth after they played for 15 years and they take a few years off and their buddies get them to come out for, for beer league. And the first half hour of that skate, just a high stick off the jibs and just lose all six of them. And they're, they're swearing at their buddies. I knew I shouldn't have come out. And then they're in the dentist chair for two days. And so all, all those stories have kind of said, okay, I, I don't, I don't want to do it, but yeah, it is fun going out with my boy, you know, kind of learning, you know, seeing life through his eyes, right. You kind of forget, uh, you know, how I learned to skate or how everyone sure. learns to skate as a kid and, and watching him progress. It's, you know, from him just standing there like this and, and not even moving right to, you know, finally getting the push and glide and, and, you know, now he can, you know, stick handle and push and glide. And it, it's, it's pretty incredible. So it's, uh, it's amazing. It makes you think, but you know, I call my parents after, uh, a couple times after we skated, I'm like, "Hey, <laughs> thanks again, mom and dad, for giving me this life. How fortunate I am now, uh, you know, for for playing so long and and the money that I made because you put a sacrifice for me, you know, when I was four, five, six, seven, right? So yeah. it's uh, it all all comes around. At what well, point is he gonna? You, uh, go yeah, ahead. Sorry, sorry. I was just gonna say uh, I wanted to ask you really quickly about uh, a guy who's 36 years old now, still playing Sidney Crosby. You know, I think he's on pace for like. 60 goals or something 
crazy like that. As you've gotten older and, and you played obviously against him uh, for quite a bit, is it really surprising what he does anymore? Or did we, have we just gotten too used to seeing him do all these excellent things? Yeah, way, way too used for to seeing him be the best. He, he's an incredible competitor. He can skate. He can protect the puck. He can play just as good as defense as, as he does offense. Uh, you know, he can play probably with any players on his team and still be effective and put up points, uh, you know, every night, right? It's it's not like he has uh, – he's not playing with Malkin every night, right? He's playing with uh, guys, uh, you know, Rustin against all and nothing against those guys, but, you know, they're not – you know, uh, Artemi Panarin and somebody else where he, there's two absolutely star players uh, on uh, on the ice together. And and uh, I was with him last summer or the summer before, and he was going into his, you know, 17th, 18th year, something like that. And I said, do, do you love it still? Like, do you love, you know, playing? He goes, he goes, and he's like dead serious. He's like, I, I absolutely love training. I love skating. I love battling. You know, him and McKinnon are buddies, and they, you know, do the one-on-one battles and, you see videos of those guys, how they train. I was like, oh man, I could, I could never do that after playing 17 years. And I didn't even win a Stanley Cup, right? He's got three and, and a gold medal and the, all the accolades, right? And and I'm just like, holy man! So they're wired differently. Let's let's, uh, let's say that that's uh, those uh, top tier players are just uh, uh, just on a on a league of their own. Uh, so let's talk. Since we're talking a little bit about the Flyers. Um, what's so as I try as I stammer um, now season two of Tortorella um, they have seemed to really defy some expectations that I think a lot of you know quote-unquote experts had at the beginning of the season uh, they are not the pushovers that they were last year what do you see because you watch them obviously very very closely yeah. what do what do you see in season two of John Tortorella uh, that has evolved or has changed from from season one I think I, probably the biggest thing is their attitude, right? They, I think they, they've they come together. They were here three weeks before training camp. I think September 1st, uh, Tortorella wanted everyone in, right? Uh, before the long weekend, your last big weekend at home with your family and friends, he wanted everyone in Philly, everyone training, everyone skating. Uh, you know, he wasn't on the ice or anything like that. But there was, I think, you know, probably 40 guys or 45 guys there you know, battling, training together, working out together. I think that that stuff kind of matters, right? And and so the mindset was already in the players that, okay, I need to get into shape, number one. I need to be skating a lot, number two. I need to, you know, have a good year this year. Then they got, you know, got Couturier for a number one center. Say they traded for a Couturier because he didn't play for two years. Cam Atkinson, a, a number one, number two, right winger, left winger, whatever you want to call it. It's like you got another, you know, 30 goals in the lineup for free because he was all uh, hurt all last year. Uh, you know, and then Carter Hart is a great goaltender. And uh, defensively, I thought that was going to be their biggest question mark. But a guy like Sean Walker has came out of, uh, I didn't really know the kid before he came to Philadelphia. He's been unbelievable, probably one of their best defensemen. And and you look at the one trade that was supposed to happen this summer, uh, trading Travis Sanheim, and it looked like he was supposed to go to St. Louis, and, and that fell through. And how he's turned his season around, and and he's got a bunch of points and playing 26 minutes a night and, and just a horse on the back end. And uh they're just like you know why why can't this be our year you know and and they've they've just had that attitude that mindset that's that's kind of towards what he does he dives right into your mind the first thing he does is say we're gonna play a certain way you're gonna buy into this system um 
We're gonna have great guys, and we're gonna care for each other. You obviously you get a block shots, shots, <laughs> block shots. <laughs> Hopefully, you don't do any of those. But uh, <laughs> you, you just you have to you have to be dialed in, and and you know uh, it's it's you're on your toes every day. Every day is a different uh, a different game for Torts to to you know if you're gonna be in the lineup or out of the lineup. Young kids, old kids. He's just got these kids dialed in. So uh, along. Uh, answer short he's just he's got these guys you know dialed in up here and you know I think a lot of experts were were kind of way off picking them to be third last like you said or second last and I I'm, I I would never bought into that I said they're gonna be a yeah Adam kidding that was I'm just teasing <laughs> <laughs> well I forgot what Adam team... what, what your what your projection was at um at the beginning of the season I know you yeah your, I, I was one of those video. guys I was one of those guys that did not okay good <laughs> I'm okay. I'm, I'll eat. I'll eat those words. That's fine. But the other team I, I did want to talk to you about was uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. The, you know, one of your second last team. Um, there's been a nightmare, you know, for them from the Babcock situation right on through. Um, but I, I mean, I've been to Columbus. I, I pulled the cannon. You know, the people there were great. But you know, what what do you think has hurt that franchise over the years more than anything else? <sighs> You know, and, and, you know, I was there uh, with uh, Todd Richards, the head coach, and, you know, we, we had a, an okay year. Towards the end of the year, we were at one like 15 out of 16, and so we were supposed to be really good the next year, and <clears throat> we lose the first eight games. And it's just, it's just I, I wouldn't say it's a, a, a losing mindset the organization has. Uh, I don't want to say that, but it's just, it's, it's kind of, if you lost the game, it was okay. And, and then, you know, Torts came in just like he came into Philadelphia last year. And it was like losing is not okay. We're getting losing out of our heads. We're getting that out of our mindset. We are gonna change this franchise around, and and lo and behold, he he did that right. It was uh, we made the playoffs the next year, and, and then they made them two or three years in a row. They they knocked out Tampa Bay, one of the best teams uh, in the league, the one year uh, in four straight. They swept them, and you know, so it was that that kind of the Torts effect that came in and just totally whipped everything around. And uh, so I give Torts a lot of respect for what he's done over his career. But, you know, as for the Jackets, it's just, it's, it's you know, last year it was Wierenski was hurt and everyone, they had basically a minor league team in the lineup almost every night, uh, right from the uh, onset. And this year, uh, I think they expected big things with the, the coach hiring and, and then obviously his firing right b uh, before the season. It was just uh, kind of a, a whirlwind start. And now they've lost, uh, you know, like 10 in a row and, you know, yeah. like seven of them have been, you know, really close games. But uh, if you can't get on the right side of those games, you're never going to take that next step as a, as a franchise. So, uh, you know, I feel a few of the guys are still there that I play with. So you want them to do well. Uh, it's just, uh, it's just, I don't know, something, something's in the water or something there. That's for sure. It just, it, it makes me wonder like, you know, how you go from Johnny Goudreau and, and, you know, Jonathan Huberdeau, even though obviously a different team, but the, the, the psyche or the, the fragileness of a player who can go from 115 points a couple of years ago to Huberdeau's situation now in Calgary, where he's obviously struggling, the fans are on him. Um, Patrick Line gets benched last night. You don't go from being a great player to not a great player overnight. How much of it, and this is, I guess, a little subjective, how much of that is in the head? Because the hands are the same. And he's, you know, Goudreau is the same amazing player, but there's something clearly not going on. How, is there, 
like the disconnect between a new head coach, Pascal Vincent, who comes in, who has had head coaching experience elsewhere, but is now trying to really put his foot down and is benching players. How much of that, I guess, is when a player says kind of like F this or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's just curious how, how that all comes to be. I think you get, you know, Lina gets benched, right? And Johnny Gaudreau got sat in the third period. And it's all, for me, it's how you react to those things, right? There's obviously, it's leading up to something and it comes to a boiling point. It's how that player reacts to that situation. I, you know, I've been benched before and, you know, come back and scored in the next five games, a goal in the next five games. And, you know, Torts was like, oh, you know, pat himself on the back. See, I, I got, I know how to figure this guy out, right? And some guys, some guys it's where it works for and some, some guys it doesn't, but, yeah, the confidence and, and, you know, the, the mind is a crazy thing, right? You could have, you know, I've done it where, you know, you, you score 30 goals and then the next season you start off with no goals in the first eight games and you don't think you're going to score a goal in the NHL again. Right. And then it's like, call my dad and my dad, what, like, what's going on here? I'm, I'm struggling. Like, I feel like I can't do it. And he goes, he goes, where do you get your goals, Scott? And I'm like, in front of the net, he goes, you haven't been anywhere near the front of the net in the first <laughs> seven, eight games. I was like, yeah, you're oh. right. You know, so then I go, I park my ass in front of the net and one goes off it and in. And, and next thing you know, my head's this big and, and uh, you know, kind of just going absolute heater the next two weeks. And, you know, then I'm on your pace of, you know, a goal every three games and, and you know, life is good again. So it's you, right. you, you can get down on yourself. And, uh, you know, Johnny Gaudreau doesn't look like the same player and the slightest of what he can be he kind of looks uh, a little scared doesn't look confident in in his moves where he should pass it his pass are soft and so it's uh, it, it affects the most uh, you know a lot of the best players some people can kind of get through that quicker than others so uh, you hopefully for that uh, for the blue jackets they can kind of figure it out and, and get on the right track all right so well uh, we don't have a lot a lot of time left with you but we appreciate you coming on um now that you've been on both sides of the father son hockey dad experience you know what would you tell you know dads and and kids now would is it about playing more than one sport is it about you know just enjoying yourself knowing that it's it's such a small portion of youngsters that actually get to ascend and, and become elite players uh I, I think i think all sports are important right uh you know i'm not a huge fan of soccer so we we tried soccer you know when he was like three and four and i was like oh, i was like nails on a chalkboard i'm like I, I can't get out of here fast enough right and, and then you know then i'm like i gotta yeah i'd be a little bit more active like you know with them trying to play in in the backyard and doing that and uh, we kind of gave that sport up but baseball it's it's uh it's funny you know talking to my dad and you know i'm like oh we're gonna put him in the fall ball uh, last year when he's uh four and a half i think he was and he goes, if you, you know, can he catch the ball? I'm like, well, if I underhand throw it right in his, right in his mitt, he'll catch it, right? And, and he goes, that's a pretty big fundament, fundamental uh, of playing baseball is you got to learn how to catch. So get in the backyard with them and play catch. So it was like for like two months straight, we'd go out for 10 minutes, right? And, and play, you know, play catch and throw on and, you know, uh, throwing the ball to him, him hitting it off the tee first. And then now I'm underhand pitching it. And now he's rocking the ball and, and we're not, you know, obviously throw, uh, not throwing fastballs at him not to catch it, but now he can move his glove around and catch. So it's like, Oh, okay. To play ball, baseball, you got to learn how to catch. Right. And, and that can, you know, be beneficial in, in other sports, lacrosse or hockey and, you know, hand eye and, you know, and, and then obviously we play a lot of street hockey and hockey downstairs here in the basement. And, and, you know, it's just, it's so fun to see him 
develop into, you know, I'd rather have be a, a well-rounded athlete than, you know, him playing hockey 24 seven. And then when he's 15 being like, dad, I hate this sport. I, <laughs> I don't want to do anything. Right. So it's, it's uh, variety is good. It's uh, um, uh, and it's just a special, you know, special boy and girls too. They got them playing street hockey and they're three and two. So it's, uh, it's kind of uh, fun. The <laughs> fun little sport is the family. That's great. You got your hands full. I do. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, not, not, not sometimes nuts around this house. If you were flying the wall, that's for sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we will, you know, this will air in a couple of weeks and we'll be, make sure to send you a copy and let awesome. you know when it's going to be on and, uh, continued success in your role as father and as, uh, studio analyst for the flyers and anytime you want to come on please come you know please let us know and uh we appreciate you joining us yeah thank you maddie appreciate it and uh, yeah anytime i'd uh, love talking hockey so it's great awesome all right talk to you later man yeah and we're back uh with the hopkins archive podcast and uh, guest today is a longtime hockey writer uh longtime national correspondent for many new sites and now director of digital media for the hockey news, Michael Trikos. Michael, thank you for coming on with us. We appreciate it. Yeah. Always fun to join you guys. I think uh, last time I was on, we had a great talk. So uh, happy to come on and talk more hockey. Yeah. Well, let's, let's start off with kind of the state of the league. Um, you know, we, we, the news today, I guess, coming out of Columbus after another, you know, terrible losses is, is, you know, who pays the price here? Are we, are we looking at a team that's got to make a big move? Or are they just going to stomach it with John Davidson? Do you think, or how do you think it's going to move? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I know going into the season, there might have been uh, a bit of expectations with Columbus uh, when you uh, when they hired Mike Babcock, and then obviously uh, that went uh, down the drain. And you figure uh, was that going to be the only player, only coach, or only personnel who? Uh, pays the price for that. And, you know, when you sign Johnny Goudreau last summer and then you get Adam Fantilli and you've got Kent Johnson, there's a lot of promise in Columbus, or at least there should be. Um, I remember talking on the Hockey News pregame show with Ryan Kennedy that I thought the, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets would be a perfect team for, you know, the first European coach. Um, and there's a, a Finnish guy out there that's coaching in Niagara right now, UC Ohokas. Um, who we talked about specifically, I said, this would be the perfect guy for Columbus just because you've got Patrick Laine. And you know, Patrick Laine has been a guy at the scratch already this year, hasn't really shown the uh, the potential that we saw when he came into the league as a rookie. Um, very much was a guy that I thought we were going to be talking about every time we mentioned Austin Matthews' name. And you know, Matthews continues to be one of the great goal scorers in the NHL today and line a has gone in the other direction. So if something probably has to happen in Columbus, um, I want to put the blame just on the coach or just on the GM or whatever, but you know, that that's a market that can be a really successful market and they've got the pieces there. It's just a matter of, you know, making them all fit together. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think you're, you do have pieces there for sure. Um, what about positive uh, surprises this year? What do you think uh, has jumped out for you that you didn't expect in a, in a good way? Uh, can I talk about what I didn't expect from a negative way? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure, sure, yeah. 
we're, we're good. It's funny, like, uh, you know, in the first month or so in the season, we're all, all the talk was about just like the Edmonton Oilers. Obviously, they fired their head coach. Um, Toronto Maple Leafs, despite the fact that they're winning, they're, they're kind of going about it in an ugly way. Um, but yeah, uh, for the positive, you know, those are the two negatives. Definitely the Vancouver Canucks. I, I don't know if anyone really thought that we'd be talking about them as a, one of the top teams uh, coming out of the West. Uh, and yet here they are. Um, they've got all the elements that you need in a Stanley Cup contender or even a Stanley uh, Cup champion. Uh, you've got Quinn Hughes looking like a Norris Trophy winner already in November. Uh, I think we're going to be talking on the show in a couple of days just about how um, is he a Hart Trophy candidate now. You've got a number one goalie in Thatcher Demko. Uh, love what Rick Hockett's done in terms of, you know, demanding excellence from this team. But, you know, you go up and down the lineup, whether it's like they got Elias Pettersson, JT Miller, and Quinn Hughes all tied for the scoring lead the last time I checked. Uh, like I said, with Demko, um, really as a team that I thought would probably at the best would be battling for a wild card spot. And now they're very much looking like the best team coming out of Canada. It's crazy. We were talking to Scott Hartnell uh, earlier about kind of the the confidence of a player and how, you know, Johnny Goudreau is still an amazing hockey player and Jonathan Huberdeau, but something changes and the confidence level of a player changes. You know, a year ago uh, in talking about the Canucks, it was Bruce Boudreau and all these, you know, re-signing JT Miller to that long contract extension. Should they trade him before there has no trade uh, clause kicks in and now they're the bells of the ball. It's crazy how much one person or, you know, the, a, a coaching change can affect for good and for bad, because you look at, um, you know, Pascal Vincent in, in Columbus benching uh, Patrick line, uh, sitting out Goudreau in the third period the other night. Um, I was saying to Adam earlier, like how much of that is, you know, a first time, a first time head coach coming in and trying to flex their muscles if it was another coach who had experience, who had, you know, pre pedigree and, and previous experience, how, you know, would that change things? And is, is the message that Pascal Vincent is saying clearly isn't resonating in Columbus right now, but Rick Tockett, people seem to go through a wall for that guy. It's just, a, it's amazing how, how a switch can flip like that. Yeah. And you, and you mentioned you guys had Scott Hartnell who, uh, I believe he played under John Tortorella uh, during his uh, career. And, Definitely did. You know, he's a guy that, you know, maybe Tortorella was getting a bit of flack this season uh, for benching Morgan Frost, who was a first-round pick um, same year that Elias Pettersson was. And, you know, for a team like the Flyers, who are very much in rebuild mode, uh, you'd say, you know what, just play all the kids. Um, it's, you're, you're rebuilding. You're probably going to get a top pick anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But you know, he's going the other way. He's saying, you know what, earn your time. Um, this is how you build a team. Because um, it's hard to flip that switch. It's easy to say, you know what, play all the kids, just develop and get a draft pick this year. And, you know, once once we're ready to make that change, we're just going to flip the switch and you're, you're going to start competing. It's hard to do that. Whether, we, you know, Buffalo is a perfect example of a team that could never really instill to this day is finding it hard to kind of go from rebuild to contender. Uh, Edmonton Oilers kind of struggled for many years to kind of go through that. So yeah, I kind of agree with the idea that, you know what, um, forget about what the prognosticator said about your team going in, whether this is a rebuild year or not, 
you got to coach as if you're winning the Stanley Cup or you're competing for the Stanley Cup. And if that means you're, you know, sitting Johnny Goudreau or uh, benching uh, Patrick Laine, then so be it. Um, I think the Columbus Blue Jackets will probably be better for this uh, a year or two from now. Right. Okay, Michael. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the archive. This is the archive podcast, and you know you've had a chance to to look through the seventy six plus years of of issues. If with your role overseeing all the team, many team websites and and different themed websites, uh, what have you enjoyed the most about about panning through the archive so far? Well, I haven't been able to read all the issues just yet, Adam. What? It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of years to go through, but twenty six hundred uh, issues. Yeah. Yeah, I you know what I honestly aside from the stories which are just incredible, um, you know the hockey news has a great history of not just writing about the game for so many years, but also from having the best sports writers uh, in North America write about the game. So uh, love just going through it all and seeing some of the bylines uh, of some of the great Hall of Fame writers that have um, you know bless those pages but more than that i just love the ads guys and um, <laughs> some of the ads are very kind of dated um but yeah I, I get a kick out of you know the old 70s 60s style ads um you, you can really do it yeah. yeah like and it's very, <laughs> like the tie-in with alcohol and cigarettes you, you, you're kind of going okay this is a, a sports publication but <laughs> right. uh yeah, it's I'm like getting Playboy. a real kick out of some of the old school ones. Just kind of like Stan Mikita, um, you know, when he gets home, he he, he likes drinking his bourbon in. <laughs> and Black Velvet, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. maybe that's what it was. Yeah. So <laughs> for me, it's, it, it's I get a kick, a huge kick out of just the advertising. But you know, it, honestly, I go through the archive daily, uh, whether it's um, just to kind of go back even through some of the prospect profiles from even 10 years ago and see, oh, wow, this, this player was not on anyone's radar or yeah. whatever happened to that guy. Um, but yeah, it, it really is amazing, but mostly it's the old, old articles. Um, hockey was such a different game. It seemed like even in the eighties compared to where we are now. And it's, you know, all you have to do is just kind of peruse through those older issues and you're going, geez, um, we're, we're talking about neck protection now, you know, some of the older ones and you're like, where are the helmets and <laughs> never mind visor. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Well, thank you. We think we're, we've got it. Well, Mike, Mike, how do we, uh, how do we find your show? Tell us, tell us more about the show that you're hosting with Ryan and how can, how can our viewers and listeners uh, find it here and in Canada? Yeah, so right now it's on the uh, the Game Plus Network in Canada, and it's every Saturday evening, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, there is plans. I think we'll be starting in a couple weeks. We'll be also broadcasting on Tuesday nights on the Game Plus Network. Uh, for any folks uh, south of the border or even in Europe, uh, you go to thehockeynews.com, and you'll be able to find a link to the show there, so you can watch us online or live, um, yeah, um, usually you're gonna be talking for an hour about whatever issues or conversations that we're having in the game. And uh, yeah, we try to do things a little differently, but it's uh, you know, two guys, me and Ryan Kennedy, who've you know, been covering the sport for more than two decades, and uh, we've got some stories to tell. 
Excellent. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. And we're going to have you again back soon towards the trade deadline, because that's always going to be a fun time. So, Mike, thank you very much as always. And we will see you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. I think we covered it, Adam. I think uh, we laughed. We cried. We had a great time. I don't know. I, I think Hartnell was on the verge of tears. What do you think? I think we had him. Happy tears. Happy tears. Tears of joy. Tears of a clown. No. <laughs> oh, he's a great all guy. Right. He, we got to thank him again for coming on. He's he absolutely he's a fantastic. Well, I, all right. I will thank him. You take credit <laughs> for me thanking him. So thank you, Scott Hartnell, for joining us. Thank you, Michael Trakos, for joining us. And thank you to our listeners and our fans out there. Um, any questions you have for us, you know, hit us on the Instagram um, or at uh, the Hockey News Archive Show at gmail.com. So thank you and thank to all our sponsors, and we will see you again next week. Talk to you later. Thanks, folks.